As you're being seated, if you'll go ahead and find your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Romans chapter 12 in verses 3 through 9 is where we'll be uh, in the Scriptures. We exist to lead people to worship, grow in, and serve God through lives that are being changed by the power of the gospel. That's been our vision statement for several years around here, and that is basically what drives a lot of our ministry here as a church. When I was in college, a pastor told me, he said, Lash, whenever you're taking aim, aim at the moon. If you miss, maybe you'll hit a light pole. (laughs) But if you aim at a light pole and you miss, you'll just eat dirt. (laughs) And I've been working in churches for about 27 years now. I started whenever I was about five years old. Uh, But I've been working in churches for quite a while, and one of the things that I've discovered when it comes to church is that often we're very, very busy, but we're not sure what it is for which we're aiming. You have a lot of activity, but what is the common goal? And so we become like the Peanuts cartoon. I think it was Linus. Linus was shooting arrows, and he would shoot these arrows into the wood fence, in the backyard. And after he had shot a bunch of arrows into the fence, he got a bucket of paint and he went over and he painted a target around the arrow. So every single arrow that he hit then hit hit the target. And it's easy to do stuff and then after we've done stuff, draw targets around the arrow. And when the church is, is not sure what it is that we're aiming for, then what we sometimes do is we start aiming our arrows at each other. And so at Murphy Road, we have a clear goal. We want you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We want you to be an individual that is following Jesus, and we desire for your life to be changed through the power of the gospel. That's our target. That's what we're aiming for. As you think about what it is that you desire to be and to accomplish through your ministry here at the church, we pray that you will be somebody that is a growing follower of Jesus Christ and that your life will also be helping other people grow to be like Christ. And so there's three spiritual arrows that we want to shoot at the target. The first is worship. We desire that you be a worshiper. Now, worship begins with salvation. The bowing of the knee to accept Christ as Lord and Savior is the initial step of worship. And individually, each of us need to be worshipers. We need to be spending time in the Word of God, spending time praying. We need to come together as individuals and gather in worship meetings like this, services where the body of Christ is worshiping together. But ultimately, worship is about aligning the totality of your life with one goal. Everything about me, my attitudes, my actions, the way that I treat people, my goals, they all have one goal, and that is to bring glory to God. Whenever you have that alignment in your life to bring glory to God, you are being a worshiper. But we also desire for you to grow. We want you growing in your knowledge of the Word of God so that you understand what God has spoken to us in His Word. We hope that in our thinking we will grow to have a biblical worldview so that we see the world through the lens of Scripture. 
We hope that you will grow together in relationships with other believers so that you find friendship and you have 2 a.m. friends here at the church that would be with you no matter what the circumstances that are going on in your life. And then finally, the third arrow that we hope that you aim at the target of discipleship is that you will be somebody who is serving. You see, what God does in our hearts is not supposed to just remain there, but it is to overflow the boundaries of our heart so that we become a person who is joining God in His work and we become a person who is active in serving God and serving others. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the spiritual discipline of serving. So if you have your Bibles open, look with me, Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the standard of one's faith. If service, in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. So what we have here at the end of this passage is a list of what we call spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are, th- are gifts, abilities, uh, uh, they are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to believers to be used to build one another up in the church to be more like Christ. Now, the gifts that are listed here, this is not an exhaustive list. There are more that are listed throughout the New Testament. But here we have seven gifts. And so Paul talks about the gift of prophecy. You know the prophets in the church. They are the ones whose lessons always begin with, Thus saith the Lord. The prophets have a passion for people to know the Word of God and to be obedient to the Word of God. Now, just a side note, in verse 6, it says, use the gift of prophecy according to the standard of one's faith. And so, thus saith the Lord, people need to remember that the Lord never saith something that contradicts what he hath already saith in his word. So, as you prophesy, remember that you need to prophesy from the word of God, not just what mood you're in that day. But then there is a second spiritual gift that's listed here, and that is the gift of service. Now, you know the people that have the gift of service because they're the ones that just take care of whatever needs to be done. When they see something that's undone, they just want to jump in and get it done. Often what they do is behind the scenes, but they do it faithfully all the time, just serving and meeting needs. Then he talks about the gift of teaching. And those that have the gift of teaching, they enjoy breaking down the truths of Scripture and explaining them so that other people can understand the truth of Scripture as well. The gift of exhortation. Those are the encouragers in the church. They encourage you, but they don't just say, hey, attaboy, you did super. But those that have the gift of exhortation, they're also kind of pushing you to say there's more. You need to keep growing. You need to keep pushing forward. God's not through with you yet. Then he refers to the gift of giving. Those individuals that 
it's important to them that the ministries of the church are taken care of and they have the ability to, to give faithfully so that the church can continue going forth in mission activity and ministry. He speaks of the gift of leadership. Those individuals that have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to see the big picture. And you have perhaps the uh, gift of administration that allows you to help people move from point A to point B and to bring organization to the chaos. And then he speaks of the gift of mercy or hospitality. Those individuals that see hurting people, that want people to know that they are loved. Those people that just care so much about those that are often forgotten. Hear this, right? If you are a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. He's gifted you. You have an ability, you have a gift from God to be used in service. And you will grow spiritually when you practice your spiritual gift. But what's more? Spiritual gifts are not just given to us to be hoarded. God doesn't give you a gift to implode upon yourself. But when you practice your spiritual gift, you will help others grow spiritually as well. God gave you this gift. He gave you this gift to be service-oriented, to help others be like Christ. And so the spiritual gifts are outward gifts rather than just intake gifts. But it gets better. When we all use our gifts together as a church, then we become a picture of the body of Christ. When we all come together with our different perspectives, with our, our different abilities, with the gifts that God has given us, we become a picture of Jesus Christ, His body. And that is huge. So do you know your spiritual gifts? Are you using your spiritual gifts. Now, three things to remember about spiritual gifts. If you're a note taker, this is a good time for you to take a few notes. Number one, your spiritual gift is a gift from God. Verse three says, God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Verse six says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. God has distributed gifts to his people. The other day, my three-year-old uh, Camden went to Walmart with me. Now, it's always dangerous when you take a three-year-old to Walmart. Okay? Now, dangerous for many, many different reasons, but one of the reasons why it's dangerous is because they can run up your bill really quickly. So Camden's on the candy aisle, and he finds like the three-pound bag of candy, and he's like running up, Daddy, Daddy, I want some candy. So we begin a negotiation, and I negotiate him down to just a simple 99-cent box of Mike and Ikes. You ever, you ever had Mike and Ikes? It's kind of like jelly beans meets hot tamales. It's pretty good. Okay. So Camden was all happy. Everybody was happy. We're going home. And whenever we get home, Camden begins distributing a measure of Mike and Ikes to his siblings. And it was really cool. He's the little guy, but all of them were coming up to him, and he was giving them their, his choice, okay? Some got red, some got yellow, some got orange, some got two yellows, some got two greens. But every single one of his siblings received what they got according to Lord Camden. 
<laughs> he, he was ruling the house at, at that moment, okay? Now, you may not realize this, but the Holy Spirit has distributed a measure of faith to each believer according to his decisions. It's called a spiritual gift. Part of being God is that God can do God things. Now, I know that that sounds very simple. God can do God things. And yet, that's often one of the hardest things that we as Christians struggle with. The fact that God can sometimes just make choices because He's God. And one of the choices that God has made is to give you a spiritual gift. You say, well, why didn't God give me this gift? Because He gave you that gift. And God has made a choice. So embrace it as a gift from God. You say, well, I don't like my gift. Well, there's a reason why God gave it to you. Hey, there's things that God chose in my life that I don't like. You've heard me bemoan the fact before that I was born 100 miles outside of Chicago. I wanted to be born in the Republic of Texas. All my kids are born in the Republic of Texas, but I was born up north. Why did God choose that for me? I don't know, because he's God, okay? Maybe he wanted me to be born on the mission field. And that's why, that's why, that's why he did that for me, because he wanted me to be mission-minded. You know, God has chosen to give you a gift, and he does so in his divine nature. So embrace it, because that's what the Heavenly Father has chosen for you. Secondly, God gives us different gifts for different functions. Verse 4, now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function. So we as a church come together as a body, but some of us may be hands, some of us may be feet, some of us may be arms. The different gifts come together to make one body. My dominant spiritual gift is teaching, and along with that, exhortation. And so every day, if, if I come across a new idea or a, a truth in Scripture that really grabs me, if I come across a, a truth, I'm just a happy camper. I, I found this, and I cannot wait to break it down and explain it with anybody who'll listen, because that's just how God wired me. My, my wife's spiritual gift is administration. She likes to get things done. And so she just kind of sees things that, that need to be done. Sometimes I, I call it black light vision. She comes in a room and she just sees things that I would never see, you know? That's just because that's the way that God has wired her. One of the boys has food on his shirt. She sees a mess that needs to be cleaned up. I see a sermon illustration. <laughs> it's just how we're wired, you know? We're, we're different people. Now, we haven't done this in a while, but look at the person that's sitting next to you. Just go ahead and look at the person sitting next to you and repeat after me. I thank God I'm not you. Okay? Now, now continue looking at them because there's a second part to this. But, continue, but I need you. Okay? We need one another. We are not the same but we need each other. The church is not an army of stormtroopers who all look and act exactly the same. Hear me on this. The church is supposed to have spiritual gift diversity. 
and spiritual gift diversity makes us stronger when our unity is found in Jesus Christ. Now let me rewind the DVR on that one. Spiritual gift diversity makes us stronger when our ultimate unity is found in Jesus Christ. If we're seeking unity from anything other than Christ, then our differences and our different gifts will actually cause quarrels and fights among us. The unifying factor has to be the church's faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel. Amen? Here's the third thing. Don't abuse your gift. Don't abuse your gift. Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Now, verse 3 is actually coming in the context of spiritual gifts. So it's written to us in the context of how the church can come together as the body of Christ rather than dividing into different pieces. And he says in verse 3, Be careful here. Do not think of yourself more highly than you should. I was talking to a football coach the other day, and we were talking about how sometimes our strengths can become our weaknesses. And so he gave me this illustration. He said one time he had a star quarterback, and the quarterback had a cannon arm, and that was his big strength. Everybody loved to watch this quarterback throw the football, and so the team was winning and winning and winning. But because the quarterback's arm was so strong and he had so much confidence in his arm, he at times would start trying to force the ball into positions where the receiver wasn't open. And then he would throw interceptions, it would hurt the team, and the very strength that he had became his weakness when he got overconfident in his strengths. The very gifts God has given you can become your biggest weakness when you get intoxicated in your abilities. Adam Greenway, who's a professor at Southern Seminary, he posted on Facebook yesterday, he said, in ministry, we must strenuously avoid the twin pitfalls of thinking that it is all up to us or thinking that it is all about us. So be careful here. If you're a prophet and you naturally see problems, if it really bothers you whenever people are doing something that's outside of the Word of God, you need to be really careful that you don't become the grumpy prophet who's just always angry or always criticizing, always just tearing other people down. If your natural spiritual gift is service and you just like to take care of whatever needs to be done and maybe do things behind the scenes, you have to be careful that you too are being fed and cared for. And if you're not fed and if you are not receiving spiritual nourishment yourself, eventually you'll become superficial in your faith. If you're a teacher and you like to think and you like to explain the Word of God, you have to remember that nobody likes a know-it-all. And sometimes you just have to close the book and get out and actually live life. Christianity is not entirely experienced in the mind. There are truths, but those truths are to be lived out. If you are a giver, you have to remember that everything that you give was given to you by the Lord. 
So in the kingdom of God, ownership always belongs to the Lord. And whenever we give, we give realizing that we are ultimately giving back to the Lord what belongs to Him. If you are an exhorter and you are encouraging people and you're trying to say, okay, there's more. God wants to keep using you. You can keep growing. You have to be careful that in your encouragement of people that you do not become impatient because sometimes growth takes time. If you're a leader and you're able to take things from point A to point B and you're able to see the big picture, you have to be careful that as a leader you don't become a bulldozer and just run people over. It's like John Maxwell says, leadership without fellowship is just a lonely walk. And you have to be careful as a leader that you don't get so caught up in the ideas that are in your head that you don't actually lead the people that have been given to you. If your spiritual gift is mercy, and you're very hospitality-driven, and you care deeply, and you want people to know that God loves them, and you want people to feel special, you also have to remember that there is truth in God's Word, and we must lead people to that truth. I am convinced of this, that the greatest joy in life is found when God's work within you overflows the boundaries of you and connects your life to other people. When God's work begins overflowing you so that you are a part of what God is doing and you experience your role in the kingdom of God. When you take your place in the earthly choir of worship and you sing your part to the glory of God, you feel God's pleasure and you experience His joy at a soulful level. And that's when you begin discovering. See, when you start serving, that's when you begin to discover that pain from my past, that experience that God took me through, these resources with which I have been blessed, this spiritual gift that God has given to me, it all has a common purpose. The tapestry becomes a painting. And that common purpose is to glorify God by serving His church and serving others. And so I want to close today by just taking a few moments to say thank you. To those of you that are the prophets in our midst, I know I sometimes give you a hard time about, thus saith the Lord. But I want to thank you for being bold and reminding us of the holiness of God and the truths of Scripture. To those of you that are the servants, you're always doing the little things and doing things that nobody else sees. Thank you. You make a huge difference. To the teachers that are in the room who open the Scriptures and help us understand what God has said. Some of you may teach in children's classrooms week after week and nobody even realizes that you're doing it. Maybe you're teaching in a preschool classroom and helping those little boys and girls for the very first time in their life learn about God's love for them. I want to say to you, thank you. Thank you for helping us understand the Scriptures. To those of you that are exhorters, who are encouraging us to be more and to do more and say, there's more that we can do, I want to say thank you for helping us remember that God's not finished with us yet. For those of you that are the givers 
who have just a passion for generosity, I want to say thank you for making sure that ministry does not go undone because it's unfunded. You make a difference to those of you that are leaders who are able to see the big picture. Those of you who are administrators who are able to bring organization to the chaos. Thank you. Without you, we couldn't get things done. We appreciate so much the gift that you bring to the church. For those of you that have the gift of mercy and you care about those people, and you see those individuals that everybody else may drive right past, and you see them as a person that has a heart that needs to receive love, thank you. And I also want to thank those of you that are mercy-driven for challenging us to do something about it. Because we need you to be saying, here's a mission opportunity, here's an outreach opportunity. We need to reach out to these people because they need the love of Christ. And so here's the one takeaway that I want us to have from this message today. And that is that we're all in this together. God has put us together as the Murphy Road Baptist Church. We come from different backgrounds. We have different gifts. We come from different segments of society. But together, we make a church. And together... We are to be a picture of the body of Christ. So let's love one another. We're many parts, but one body. And let's experience the joy of being who God made us to be. Would you be so kind as to bow your heads as we come to a time of commitment? The band's going to come and lead us in worship. If there's anything that I may pray with you about today, I'm here at the front. If today needs to be the day on which you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come see me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the believers that are in this room, and I thank you that in each of our lives, you have blessed us with a spiritual gift to be used in service to you. Help us, Lord, to know our gifts, and help us, Lord, to use them. Lord, forgive us for those times where we just hoard your blessings and we believe that they just all belong to us. But Lord, may we find the great, great joy in the work of the Holy Spirit overflowing our hearts and invading our lives. May we find the joy of joining you in your work. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be mindful of our common goal to make disciples. Help us, Lord, to lead people to worship and grow in and serve you through lives that are being changed by the power of the gospel. Help us, Father, as followers of Jesus Christ to be worshipers who are growing and serving. And then may the end result be that we have a life that has contagious joy demonstrated, that draws people to the cross rather than pushing them away. Thank you for this church. Thank you for how you've brought us together and each of our uniquenesses comes together to paint a picture of the body of Christ. May we be his hands and feet sharing the gospel to our community and world. In Jesus' name we pray and worship. Amen.